0: Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless wild living, and they heap abuse on you but they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling.
1: first had an encounter with a member of the Ku Klux Klan when Davis was the only black man in a country band playing at a white venue. Picture that. And so after the show, a guy comes up to Davis and says, wow, I didn't know that black people could play like that. That was was great. Davis, ever gracious, um, accepted that. And and the man said, can I buy you a drink? Davis said, sure. And so they sat down and the guy then confessed to Davis and said, You know what? I've never talked to a black man before. That's so really amazing. Again, unfazed, Davis continued to listen and engage him in conversation. And, and Davis said, Why haven't you ever talked to somebody like me before? And he goes, Well, I'm a member of the Klan. Davis laughed because he thought he was kidding. I said, No, I'm seriously. And he produced his Klan card. I didn't know they had those, but produced a Klan card and Again, Davis, unfazed, ever gracious, continued to listen, and and it went really well. And the guy said, hey, I really enjoy this. Here's my phone number. Next time you're in town, would you give me a call and I'll come and listen to you again? And so they both did what they said they would do. And as a result of that relationship that turned into friendship, that man left the Klan. This was in the mid-1980s, and that encounter with the Klan man transported Davis back to when he was 10 years old in 1968 and he remembered this terrible event that he was marching in a parade as a Cub Scout. And some part of the parade, somebody hollered some things at Davis because he was the only dark-skinned person in the parade and then threw some things at him. The adults gathered around and protected Davis and he said he remembers asking a question How can they hate me when they don't even know me? And so that question came back to his mind in the mid 1980s, and that question, coupled with that encounter with the Klan man, led Davis to to begin this intentional mission to engage people who hate him with a view of trying to get them to see that they shouldn't. His mission led him to all kinds of people in all kinds of places. At one point, he had an encounter with a very high official in the KKK called the exalted Cyclops. I guess he had singular vision, Um, real high, Cyclops. But this guy uh, was very confident and calm in his tone, very matter-of-fact as he just told Davis all these stereotypical things that he believed about black people, he said, "Well, you know this and this and this." Very hateful, hurtful things. One of the things he said, he looked at Davis and said, "You know, black people have a genetic predisposition toward violence." And Davis said, "What do you mean, man? I I've never been violent. I don't have any. I don't have any inclination. I don't have any desire to be violent. I, I just don't do that." And the the cyclops said, "Well, you know, you're you're." Uh, Gene is latent. It'll come out later. You'll be violent later. Again, unfazed and ever gracious, the Davis man said, well, hey, listen, can you name for me three black serial killers? And the Cyclops thought, well, uh, no, I can't think of any. And Davis said, well, let me uh, name some for you. Uh, He lists all these people, and he said, you know, they're, they're all white, And you know what, Mr. Cyclops, you must be a serial killer also because you're white. (laughs) Cyclops said, well, that's just stupid. And Davis said, no, I mean, your, your serial killer gene must be late and it'll come out later. You just don't recognize it. And the Cyclops said, yeah, this is really stupid. And David said, you know what, I agree with you totally. That's really stupid what I said, but it's no more stupid than what you said about me. And so the Cyclops got quiet, changed the subject and left. A few months later, he ran into Davis again and he said, you know what, I've never been able to get past that conversation we had a few months ago. David said, yeah. And then a few more months down the road, the Cyclops again meets with Davis, and this time he has something with him. And he hands Davis his robe, his KKK robe, and his hood, and says, I was wrong, I'm done with that. Daryl Davis has a whole collection of robes and hoods from the KKK. He's helped more than 200 people leave the Klan or similar groups by, you know what he He simply listen. He simply engages them. One imperial wizard not only left the clan, but he shut down his whole chapter. And then a a, a few years later, he and his wife had a baby, and he asked Davis if he would be the godfather to his newborn daughter. You know, Davis has every reason to, to hate the clan. He has every reason to, to stay away from them. That's what we'd say, just stay away from them. He has every reason to avoid the clan, and yet he has a very intentional mission to not do that, but to rather engage them very humbly. He doesn't present himself as a politician or a prosecutor or a preacher. He just simply engages, say, hey, tell, me, tell me your story. Tell me, tell me what you think. And so he allows people to rethink their positions as he humbly listens and lets them hear themselves talk as they talk to another human being who presents himself very humbly to them. You know, it's possible to heal relationship fractures through simply loving listening. Broken pieces, broken relationships, broken lives can be put back together with love. Our text today is 1 Peter 4, 1 through 11. Hope you open your Bible or your app and and look at that. Months ago when this series was conceived, Sean looked at everything, the big picture, and he said, you know what, let's drill down in this section on love and entitled this lesson, Loving Others. Now there's a lot in this section, those 11 verses, and we want to wave our hand at those at the least and so, for example, in verses one through six, there's some things that, that Peter says. He, he begins by talking about the submissive uh, servant attitude of Jesus that really leads to suffering. And we've talked a fair amount about that over the last couple of weeks uh, about a submission and a, a servant minded attitude in dealing with various things and people. And, and Peter's Making it very clear, when you take that position, you will suffer. But it's the way of Christ. It's the way to life. And so don't be surprised. I appreciate what Tyler said. Galatians 2.20, been crucified with Christ. So when you crucify yourself, pick up your cross daily, then there's going to be suffering. But the reward is worth it. Peter says that we should be focused on pleasing God and not pleasing our fleshly desires through wild and reckless living, he talks about how some of them in the past have lived in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. And he says, you don't want to do that because judgment awaits those who live that way. And And he says, I know you no longer live that way. Don't be tempted to go back that way. You've been forgiven of that past. You've been forgiven because you saw the gospel of Jesus Christ. You, you believed it, you received it. You saw that you were estranged, that you were separated from God, and he loved you anyway, and that love compelled you to respond to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus by reenacting it in the waters of baptism. You died to sin, you're buried in water, you're raised up out of the water to live a new life that's now empowered by the Spirit of God, and he says that's the way to do it. And then a little later in the text, verses 10 and 11, Peter says that we should use the gifts that God has given us to serve other people. The gifts and the service that come from those gifts are demonstrations of God's grace. God's grace is not passive, it's active. God's grace extends out to people, inviting them to receive it because they can't achieve it, it's active. And he says, the grace that you receive from me is now to be active in your life and not passive. You are to extend it to others through service and you may end up serving people who do not deserve to be served. Peter provides a couple examples of how to use your gift of grace. He talks about words and actions. He says this, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. And here's the key to all of it, the key to everything. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now before we move on, I want to point you to something on our website Socc.org slash online. We put a thing up there this week, Emily did, where you can take a little assessment, a little inventory about how you might be gifted spiritually. It's a guide. It's, it's not definitive, but, but it's a helpful tool. And it will give you results immediately, tell you exactly what they think you have to offer the kingdom of God. Now, don't do it now. We got people watching. If, if they see you doing it, they're gonna take your phone away from you. Just kidding. But you can do that later. You know, grace is an interesting thing. We talk a lot about it, but we don't usually talk about it in the sense of uh, gifts and and serving others. We talk about it in other ways. And of course, there's more to it than what Peter says, and he knows that. Grace is something that we don't wanna cheapen. uh, We don't wanna misuse by wild and reckless living. You know, Titus might call Peter up and say, hey, let me help you out here a little bit. I've I've got a concise way of saying what you're saying in this whole section. Okay, Titus, what do you have to say? Well, he has this to say in chapter two of Titus, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no. It's what Peter's talking about. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope, which Peter talks about a lot, the appearing of the glory of our great God and savior Jesus Christ. We often define grace as unmerited favor. You know, you just you can't you can't earn it, you can't achieve it, so you simply have to receive it. And grace is inseparably tied to the love of God. It's something that flows from the love of God. And so when we receive it from God and His love, then we are to turn around and extend grace to others because of of love and it's a love that's unconditional no conditions I will love you no matter what no conditions this is God he is love the end of all things is near Hmm. therefore be alert and sober minded so that you may pray above all above all Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. The word hospitality in the Greek, philoxenos, literally means to love strangers. And so this is what Daryl Davis does. He seeks out strangers and he loves them by listening to them. And Peter is pleading with all of us to love people who may be strange to us. Strangers, it's somebody that thinks differently than I do, you know. And and we're we're called to love them. Or maybe it's not only strangers, but people who are estranged from us or estranged from us. People that we've had a broken relationship with. And Peter is saying love, agape love, the love that is God. That can fix things. That love can cover over a multitude of sins. It can fix so many things, surprisingly. I hate to ask you this, but do you have any relationships that are broken? Do you have any fractures with former friends or family that need repair? Paul says... In Romans 12, he says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Probably needs some sins uh, covered over with love to to make that happen. And I'll confess that over the course of my life, I can look back and uh, I've experienced a fair amount of broken relationships, probably like most of us. And I can say, you know, some of those are absolutely, totally my fault. I was just, just, it's embarrassing. But I can look at others and say, you know what? I I don't think I, I think it was somebody else's fault. That's just the way it is, I think. And I I don't know that it's always possible. In fact, I do know it's not always possible to fix all relationships in the past. It's, It's not possible to be reconciled with everybody this side of eternity, but I don't want to use that as an excuse to not look at things and be responsible. I do have the responsibility to do what I can to heal fractured relationships. You know, a relationship that is broken really requires this kind of oversimplification, but it really requires two things. Uh, on one side, it requires somebody to, to repent, to say, you know, I've been thinking a lot about what happened and as I analyze it, I, I realize I missed the mark, I was wrong about that and uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And then on the other side of a, of a fractured relationship is the need for forgiveness. You have repentance over there, you have forgiveness here and forgiveness says what you did was terribly wrong i will never say it was okay i will never condone that i i never will approve of that but for the sake of relationship for the sake of relationship with god and the sake of relationship with you i will i will absorb the injustice i will imso- i will absorb the grief and the loss that you have caused for the sake of the relationship. Now, before you push back too hard on that, that's exactly what God does. While we are still enemies, Christ died for us. So he looks at us and says, what you're doing is not right. I never will approve of that. I could never condone that. But for the sake of relationship, for the sake of allowing you to be in my life, I will absorb the loss. I will take the injustice. I will, I will just take it. Now, that's not fair, and that's not right, but it's God's love. And when we look at that, we are then compelled to say, wow, God, I am... I'm so sorry that I've turned my back on you, that I've lived a way that I know you say is not right. I want to turn to you, I wanna repent. Please forgive me. And he says, welcome home, welcome home. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Over the last couple of weeks, I try to practice what I preach. That's why I don't preach a lot of things. Um, But, just kidding. Well, yeah, practice. But this one, it's like okay. To look back over and say okay, you know, last few years, try to analyze things and and say okay, there's. That one, that's okay. I don't want to run into him Walmart, but we're okay, you know. And this one, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was one. There was one that I thought, ah, on paper we should be good. But the last couple of times I've seen him, he's just not been very, he's been cold. I could tell he's just not right. So ah, it was scary. I didn't want to do it, but I wrote him a note saying, hey, Thinking about you, praying for you, I, and I just want to say, if there's something, if there's something undone from my end about our relationship, just let me know, and I'll I'll do what I can because I I don't I want to make sure. And he, I could see the little three dots. He was writing back immediately, which just kind of terrified me because I thought he's gonna probably blast me. He's like, I don't want anything to do with you. You know what? He said, hey hey, man, thanks for reaching out. COVID's been really hard on me, I've had a lot of time to think. And then he goes on to confess some things that he'd never confessed to me before about our relationship. And it's like, wow, I would love to run into him now. I'd love to see him again, and I probably will sometime. COVID destroyed a lot of relationships and a lot of them were broken before that. But I just wonder, and this is your challenge today, I wonder if you can just spend some time in prayer thinking about, okay, is there somebody that I need to reach out to this day or this week to to see what I can do to fix things? In the late 15th century, Ashikoga Yoshimasa, a a Japanese shogun, had this favorite bowl that he imported from China. It's very, very expensive and he loved it dearly. One day he dropped it and it broke into several pieces. He was devastated. And so he said, you know what, I think I'll send it back to China. Maybe they can fix it somehow, you know, maybe they can repair it. So he does and they send it back a few weeks later and he opens the box and he looks in and it's just really disappointed because the repair was, I don't know, it was just really ugly, really rough. So He goes to his country's craftsman, Yoshimasa does, and he says, do better. And so they come back with this broken piece and they had repaired the bowl in a very surprising way. Instead of trying to put it back together in ways that hid the lines of fracture, they actually highlighted them. They used resin and they topped it with gold highlight the fractures. It seemed to highlight the brokenness, giving it a new beautiful identity from its broken past. And this is the birth of an art form called kintsuki. And kintsuki literally means golden joinery. Broken pieces are put back together with golden seams and the finished product becomes a work of art. It acknowledges the history of the broken thing while celebrating its Renewal: The past is noticed and embraced, not denied, and the golden seams are all noticeable and traceable. And somehow the brokenness enhances the beauty of the restoration, inviting admiration and even inspiration. Kintsuki is more than an artistic form of repair, though. It it's, it's becomes a metaphor for living and loving. It's a voice of dissent in a a culture, in a world that says, you know, if it's broken and you can't fix it quickly and fix it in a way that you can't tell, then throw it away. And we do that to things, but we also, I think we do that with relationships. Ah, you know, if I can't, if if it's not a quick, easy fix that kind of just patches over everything, just, ah, just forget it, find a new friend. What would happen if, If instead of discarding relationships and living with fractures and living with factions and brokenness, we did the hard work of trying to put relationships back together, invoking the power of God's love, which then brings forth grace and mercy and forgiveness. What if we work to create something beautiful out of the past that's been broken, allowing the past fractures to be put back together with the golden seam of God's love that then brings glory to him to say, hey, it's a God thing that we're friends again. I wonder, wonder what that would look like. You know, it's what God does. It's what he does for us. You know, love is risky. C.S. Lewis says some things, and it's risky because you don't know what you're gonna get back when you extend love to someone. Lewis writes, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, Safe, dark, motionless, airless. It will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. Now, Peter, I just love to think about Peter writing this little letter here he knows all about broken relationships he broke his with jesus in a most dramatic way i don't know the man i don't know the man yet jesus seeks him after the resurrection finds him listens to him listens to his heart and restores him with a love that covers over a multitude of terrible sins. Read John 21. And now this golden seam of love permeates Peter's life and he pleads with people including you and I to just love each other, to love deeply. Just love. And there's a sense of urgency in his writing. He he believes the end is near. And it's a good question. Is the end near? it seems like it to me, but what do I know? I don't really know. But what if it is? Are you ready? Are you ready? Peter says we need to be alert. We need to be ready. We need to be in prayer. That's the message of Jesus. You can't predict when the end of the world is, but be ready for it. It could end at any moment. And, and, I have no guarantees of another breath and neither do you and so it's important that we keep our relationship with God pure and and right and then he would say, make sure you keep your relationships with each other the same because you just don't know. You just don't know. So I encourage you as we get ready to leave to heal the relationships that you can. Even if, if you know it's, going to do more harm than good to contact somebody don't do it but do your part unilaterally repent forgive whatever just do your part and that will be good Jesus says you know if you're burdened and you're tired of all this stuff just come to me and I'll I'll link myself with you we'll walk together we'll work together and and we'll we'll figure this thing out and so he's inviting you today to come to him for whatever reason And he's inviting you to to partner with him to fix those relationships with the love that he's demonstrated so beautifully on the cross. Would you stand please? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for another day. And God, it's so hard uh, to love at times. Some people make it so hard and yet we make it hard for you to love us and you love us anyway so we have this new identity, and you tell us who we are as your beloved children. And God, as, as your beloved children, we want to love each other, and so give us the courage this week to reach out and to love each other, and uh, may you bless us with peace. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org slash messages? You can also view
0: complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.